everybody. DMX, what dogs at? Rough Rider! <laughs> right on, 1201. What's up, Toronto? Gareth Wheeler rolling with you for the next hour. I can roll like that. At Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Nick Tepish, eh? Ooh. As much as you try to convince yourself, all oh, the Blue Jays, you're telling me there's a chance. They don't have a fifth starter. Do they have a fourth starter? They've Strowman. <laughs> they have Strowman, who's been great. Hap, solid. Estrada, he's starting to get his act together. Is Sanchez still alive? Yeah, Sanchez, is, he's kicking around somewhere. Blisters. Nick Tepish, you're up. Could be a good new contest for the Blue Jays. Who wants to pitch tonight? Nick Tepish uh, holds a 4.69 ERA, 1.39 whip, whip, 137 strikeouts to 73 balls, uh, ball ratio, walk ratio in 224 and two-thirds career innings pitched at the major league level. He's 28 years old, and... He'll be providing the launching pad for the Bronx Bombers tonight down at the Rogers Center. Hey, at least the Jays got a, got one last night, and they made this. Can we call it a wild card? Well, it's a wild card race in the Eastern or in the American League, absolutely. But how close are the Blue Jays really? Yeah, according to you, the listener, not that close. Today's poll question on Twitter: What number or numbers? Represents the current state of the Blue Jays most accurately. At 49%, people are saying the number that stands out the most, negative 85, as in run differential. I think that's a little harsh. That's not the one I would have picked. In second place at 21%, 53 and 59, as in the record. I I wouldn't have picked that either. This is the one that I would have picked. 18% of respondents say 7 as in teams needed to pass in the standings to get into the wild card spot. That's what matters most. You need to win, and you need seven other teams to stumble in front of you. That, that's what makes the four-game gap seem like an ocean. And only 12% say four, as in games back of the wild card. Continue to cast your votes. We'll give you the final totals at the top of the clock. As in the end of the show. Um, we could also let you know, oh, this is a shocker. Your boy Keith Bauer, Troy Tulowitzki, has been put on the 60-day disabled list, meaning his season is over. There's only 50 games left. That's not good, eh? No. Tulowitzki as a Toronto Blue Jay hasn't been good, eh? Troy Tulowitzki, what a bust of a year. What a bust of a trade. Because you weren't just inheriting that player for the playoff run the last two years. You got him through 2020. He's making 14 mil in 2020. 20 million this, 20 million next, 20 million in 2019. Can you call it, can you, can you say stealing money? In 66 games this year, hit 259, an OBP of 300. Oh. Seven home runs, 26 RBI. 40 strikeouts. And his defensive play wasn't good either. He was captain pop-out. And uh, 
Enjoy the rest of the year, Tulo, waiting from the sidelines. As At least you can't do any more harm where you're going, which is a 60-day DL. Is that the positive here? Joe Nurse is our producer today. Did you put up our other poll question on Twitter, Joe, that we chatted about? Because we were chatting about this with the New York Yankees in town. I know that Aaron Judge has gone into a little bit of a swoon, but generally a likable guy. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? I think he's a very likable yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, so Aaron Judge, likable dude on a number of different levels. Joe and I were chatting. Are you allowed to cheer for a player from a rival team? Is, is that how we want to add it? Uh, uh, put it down and we'll put it up at, at TSN 1050 Radio. Is it acceptable? Is it cool to cheer for a player on a rival team? I was, a likable player. So I was going to word it as Is it okay? Are you cool with cheering for the face of the league if he's not on your team? So, like, can you love Sidney Crosby or, like, in the sense, or, like, can you love Aaron Judge? Because he's not your player. Like, I don't assume a Boston Red Sox fan is going to love Aaron Judge. Right. But I think a Blue Jays fan can because I don't feel like the rivalry is as deep. What do you mean? It's, it's AL East. This team is standing in your way of a playoff spot. There's a rivalry there. Uh, compared to the Red Sox, like, that's ancient hate. Like, the Blue Jays and Yankees, I don't think is that I deep. I get it, which is more of an indictment on the Blue Jays' lack of success over the last decade. But still, they're in the same division. I like the whole rival angle because for me the Yankees are rivals if if there's a just say it was Derek Jeter I've seen countless Derek Jeter jerseys in the city this week he's retired kids but I guess that's still a legendary jersey that number two you know if you're a Derek Jeter guy are you allowed to cheer for him if you're a Blue Jays fan I think that goes goes for any sport just like okay if you are a Maple Leafs fan, can you cheer for Carey Price? Isn't the answer no to this question? Like, you cannot cheer, no matter how light... Like, P.K. Subban on the Montreal Canadiens. Still, as long as he's on the Habs, I couldn't stand him. I cheer for Price, because he's Canada's goalie. When do we see Canada play? Every We're not even going to see them in the Olympics. Not even every four years now. You can't use that as a reason to cheer for Carey Price. Come on, Joe. Yeah, uh, To me, I think I like watching Carey Price... I know it sucks that he plays for Montreal as a Leaf fan, but I like to see him succeed, but I just don't want Montreal to. So I guess I can. I'm able to cheer for a rival team star as long as I have a reason to like them. See, I'm going to go with no. I'm going an emphatic no, so I'm disagreeing with Joe. Let me know when that goes up. That's going to go up at TSN 1050 Radio. Is it cool to cheer for a player on a rival team? I think that's the proper way of putting it. At WheelerTSN on Twitter, I want to hear from you. The text is 105050, and the email live at tsn1050.ca. I'm saying an emphatic non. Or as the overdrive guys would say, no guy. Non-guy? Non-gi. That's that's it. I'm going with with an emphatic no. You can also call me up and let me know, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, toll-free at 1-855-591-6876. WTF, Sound Wars, Bob Herrig, ESPN senior golf writer, joining me later on this hour. I still want to continue this Morgan Riley conversation. Or is it more of a Ron Hainsey conversation? I think it's both, in fairness. Dave McCarthy, who used to work here at this station now covers the Maple Leafs for NHL.com for an upcoming piece 
interviewed Mike Babcock. And Babcock indicated to McCarthy that he's planning on pairing Riley and Hainsey together. Then the second pairing will be uh, Zaitsev and Gardner. Ron Hainsey surprises me that he would be the right guy to partner Morgan Riley. I understand you want a veteran presence, maybe a stabilizing guy, someone that can block some more shots, give up fewer shots. Like the Maple Leafs gave up almost 32 shots per game last year. They're in the bottom 10 in terms of goals given up, goals allowed in the NHL. It's an area of their game that they need to tighten up. Does Ron Hainsey do that? I I guess that's the hope. Uh, I continue to say this at 36 years of age. uh, He's no spring chicken. Go across the NHL, try to find players playing on the back end during the latter stages of of their careers, how it works out. I would suggest to you it doesn't work out well. And to put that kind of responsibility, that kind of onus on Ron Hainsey, not only to play significant minutes, but to make sure you bring out the best out of your potential number one defenseman. Um, not that I, not something that I subscribe to, not something that I would do. But what about you? You hear this report today, Hainsey partnering with Riley. How does that make you feel? Does, does it make you feel excited? Is this a good pairing for you? Does it make you nervous? Does it make you physically ill? Let me know. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. I want to hear from you, Toronto. 1-855-591-6876 is toll-free. That is 1-855-591-6876. Plenty of texts, emails, tweets coming in on this. I feel like we need a, you got mail. Like we need some like elevator music. Something in the background as we go through some of these. I, I want to make sure that I get to this. By the way, Kirk from Ajax, no way the Montreal Canadiens jersey equally disqualifies any love for that player. Really? Really? Joe, you have someone that's misguided on your side. Kirk from Ajax. Do you know the guy? No, but we should uh, probably get a drink, talk about that. Now, Victor's on Team Wheels. Non-guy, non-gee, sorry, traitor by definition, cheering for a player on a rival team. Um, someone, who wrote this? I just got to find this. Da, 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 da. Here we go. Didn't leave their name. Um, obviously, the Maple Leafs want someone better than Hainsey to play with Riley. But the cost to trade for defensemen that we would want is just absurd. See Hall for Larson. Okay, and, and that's going to be the scenario because the perception is that the oil show overpaid by sending uh, Taylor Hall to New Jersey for Adam Larson. What I would suggest to you is that the Oilers, although they maybe gave up more talent on paper, have put themselves in a better spot now. The Oilers are, in a lot of people's eyes, a contender for the Stanley Cup because they balanced out their back end by bringing in a very good, maybe not elite-level defenseman, but a guy that they can rely on the back end. And that's what this Maple Leafs team needs. And as much as it hurts giving away top talent, if it makes for a better product, that should be the end goal. So many times we look at these things through an absolute vacuum. We say, well, this player is better than that player. You can't make the trade. That isn't always what it's about. It's about building the best team. Not the best collection of talent, but building the best team. Players that complement one another. And one through whatever, 
on the team, on the back end, 1 through 7. On the front end, 1 through 13. There needs to be balance. There needs to be an approach. That's why people get up in arms. Well, there's more skill players on the Maple Leafs and you play Matt Martin. Well, Matt Martin plays a role within the team setup. And you just can't have all like players. You need some players that are bigger than others, smaller than others, faster than others, good at defensively than others. It's just you need a proper balance in the team. That's why you need to you need to give up something to get something. And the Maple Leafs are in a position where they have three players on expiring deals. In Bozak, JVR, and Komarov. You need to make up your mind what's more important. Keeping them for this year or parlaying that asset before it can walk away for nothing and hit the open market. And we all know how thin free agency has been in recent years in terms of the depth of talent available. So someone will overpay, just like the Maple Leafs, in my opinion, overpaid for Marlowe and Hainsey. Or could you trade those assets, put prospects with them, whether with the Toronto Marlies, future assets, and bring in something that can help this team now? Look, the Chicago Blackhawks, when Taves and Kane were in their second year and went to the Western Conference Final, there was still Seabrook and Keith. You still had balance, you still had strength on the back end. And that's something that this Maple Leafs team... I don't think you can firmly say has players anywhere near that level. Riley had an up-and-down year, but a sensational playoff run through one round. But nonetheless, he was great in the playoffs. Zaitsev, steady, solid, yet not spectacular. Jake Gardner took a massive leap forward last year. But do you completely trust him? Maybe. I think there's a lot of people that still see the holes in Jake Gardner's game. So for this team, for me, if they are truly in a position to go on and contend in the Eastern Conference, they need to address the back end. Because Hainsey, partnered with Riley, ain't good to cut it from where I sat, from where I sit. Let me know, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, toll-free at 1-855-591-6876, at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The text is 105050. James hit me up, Hainsey, 97 games last year, average over 20 minutes per game, second on Pittsburgh, 47th in the league. Those are top pair of minutes regardless of age. He's a year older, dude, and he was a guy that was deemed expendable. What was he traded for, a seventh-round draft pick? To the Pittsburgh Penguins. Had never played a playoff game before and went to the best team in hockey. And Joe and our crack staff here broke down that in terms of the numbers, when it comes to Corsi, possession, that the three players that Hainsey played with last year, and Brian Dumoulin, Justin Falk, and Brett Pesci, all had better peripherals, better numbers. Not playing with Hainsey than they did playing with Hainsey. That says something, doesn't it? I, I think it should say something. Others hit me up at Wheeler TSN. Jace, this is news to Jace. Who's making the case for Hainsey playing at an advanced level? Will be a third pairing guy. PK at most playing 12 to 15 minutes per game. Well, follow Dave McCarthy on Twitter at Dave A. McCarthy. The report up on tsn.ca right now. 
Joshua hit me up. Hainsey isn't the best fit, but he's been a trusted top four dis- defenseman D-man for years and can play the right side, so, right side, so it's a good fit. Not naturally a right-sided defenseman. And he's 36 now, dude. And he was a top four D-man on a team that wasn't a playoff team. Year after year after year. Down in Carolina. Shane hit me up. If we're talking about Hainsey as a key part of the Leafs, it really shows how much work the Leafs management needs to do to win it all. Listen, there's some good young players coming through the system. Are they ready now? Are they half committed to making a push this coming year? This would suggest to me that the long view is still being kept in mind and maybe we should temper our expectations heading into next season if this is going to be your top pairing. 416-870-1050. Let's go to the Tri-City area. Down to Waterloo. Matt, you're on TSN 1050. What's going on today, Matty? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, pal. Where do you stand on this? Does does the Hainsey Riley combo excite you? Make you nervous? Make you pessimistic? Where do you stand on this? <laughs> um, I guess I'm right in the middle. I think Hainsey is a good signing uh, for the club. Um, you know, a veteran obviously had a great run with the Penguins. Um, Long term, I would be concerned if that was. Uh, you know, a top pairing. I still think there's a move to be made yet. Uh, they're not going to announce that, obviously, because who knows if it can come to fruition. But I think Leaf Brass wants something to happen. My concern, more, moreover, is the handling of Riley. And, hey, look at uh, there, there's little default with Leaf management and Babcock and what they've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time. If I have one question... Um, it's, it's the handling of Morgan Raleigh, even going back to last year with whether it be defensive zone starts, whether it be lack of power play time. I just don't feel like, uh, he got the same type of opportunity to build his confidence and grow as a, as a young star that the forwards did. Why do you think that is, Matt? Do you think that the organization is a little bit more bullish, maybe ask some more questions about Riley, and that the public may like the player more than the organization? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, and and uh, uh, that's the only explanation I can come up with. You've got really, really smart hockey people, clearly, uh, with Lamarillo and, and, and Babcock. Um, and so... Uh, I think we all like the potential of Morgan Riley, a great skater, evidently a great leader, um, maybe not the best shot in the world. Uh, they're going to position it like we're, we're trying to give this guy the best chance to succeed um, and bring him along slowly, not put too much pressure on him. But, you know, it's getting to that point now, entering his fourth or fifth season, where uh, I wonder if there isn't a little bit more uh, that he could offer, and, and let's let's give him the chance to, to get some of those top PP minutes and just top minutes overall. You you touched on it earlier. I thought he had an outstanding playoffs, um, but the season as a whole, I would say, was maybe not at the level that that we could expect from Morgan Riley. Yeah, still just 23 years of age, so I still think that there's room for more growth, and that's what's so exciting about the player. But it can't be a case of Dion Phaneuf here in Toronto where he's playing with Corbini and Holzer and, and players of that ilk. Get him a solid defenseman, and then a 36-year-old defenseman who, for me, at that age, you got one foot out of the league. I'm just not sure that that's the proper pairing. When he played on that team, North America, with guys like Colton Pareko, he was outstanding. Yep. I went to a couple of those games. I thought he looked great. And so 
uh, I think that's where, you know, I'll put myself in that camp of Leaf fans. Uh, you go into the beginning of last season and go, man, we're, we're ready for, you know, this, this kid to be knocking on uh, all-star game type of uh, uh, recognition. And it, it just didn't happen for various reasons. And I, I place, a, you know, part of the player, but part on part of the coach, honestly. I think they've got to they've gotta find a way uh, to put him in a position to succeed and use the skills that he has, that speed, that vision. He's got more offensive capability than I think we've seen so far. Good stuff, Matt. Appreciate the phone call. The text is 10-50-50. The email live at tsn1050.ca, at WheelerTSN on Twitter. I've had so many people hit me up with the same response. Lou and Babcock aren't dummies. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Are you new to sports? I don't care who you are. If Scotty Bowman was still behind the bench, if there's something that doesn't look right, you as a fan are just throw up your hands and say, well, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to sit back because they know what's best. How long have you been a sports fan for? This is what you do. You debate, you question, you agree with. This is part of sports conversation. This is why we this is why we actually have the debate. Well, who should be batting leadoff for the Toronto Blue Jays? We just don't sit back. Well, John Gibbons knows best. You're stuck on that one for tonight, we? That's why when it comes to the Toronto Raptors, it's well, why isn't Jonas Valanciunas playing in the fourth quarter? We well, Dwayne Casey knows best. How dare you question Masai Ujiri? Are we really gonna be like this for this Maple Leafs coaching staff in front office? Look, we can really, really like them. Which we do. Everyone's applauded this management team and coaching staff for what they've done and how this group has turned around. There's no denying that. But it doesn't mean you don't question any moves that they make. Or it makes it sacrilegious that you can come out and say, well, what are they doing there? That makes no sense. Imagine living in a world where you just simply don't question things. Well, our politicians know best. Let's not question them. Well, our administrators, they know best. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. What a load of bull. So is that how things are going to work here with this Maple Leafs front office? Just, Lou, Mike, you know best. We're just going to sit back and watch. Not be an active fan base. Is that what's going to happen? Okay. Okay. Apparently they do walk on water. It just happens to be frozen. It's just such a ridiculous statement that you can't go out and question what they may or may not be doing. It's part of Sports Talk, people. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Let's go to Mimico. I love this name. I wish that my name was this. Bruce. What's going on, Bruce? How's it going, Mr. Wheeler? Thank you for bringing up the lease. Uh, you know what? It's it's a year-round thing, and uh, I've been waiting for somebody from uh, TSN to have an open conversation about the lease. I guess you're the man. Well, Thank d- you. D- do you know what, Bruce? Uh, like, I've had a couple people like hit me up on Twitter today and be like, you're talking the Maple Leafs and mock the topic? It's like, when is it there a good time for any of our teams to look ahead at the new season and start projecting? Like, people sit here and complain, well, there's nothing to talk about. It's the dead of summer. It's like, well, why don't we talk about what the fans are talking about, which is actual sports. So we're going to do that here on this program, okay? Right on. Thank you, Mr. Wheeler. Anyway, you know what? It's it's, With the Leafs, 
we have a lot to look forward to. These two uh, Swedish guys, uh, Borgman and uh, Rosen. Rosen. Yep. Yep. Uh, they might surprise. I mean, they've been playing in the Swedish league. Um, something tells me that they're going to just maybe step right in or at least offer some options for the coach. And that Hainsey, maybe he's not going to be Morgan Riley's defense partner because these other guys might uh, take a job away from him. Well, it's just about, okay, Ron Hainsey's contract has been signed. I, I, I didn't love the signing, but I just expect his minutes to be managed and put in positions where he can be more effective on this team. And that, for me, Bruce, is in a third pairing. Regardless of what people think about Morgan Riley or anything like that, you just want to put players in a position to succeed, don't you? Like, ideally. I'm- Absolutely. You're right, Gareth, because it's a younger man's game now. And, yes. uh, you know, that's, that, that's, that's just the reality. It's, you know, you have to be uh, fleet of foot. And uh, with Ainsley, I don't know. I think it's good to have a good veteran presence on, on the team like him. And he just won the cup with Pittsburgh. And, and uh, that, that'll only help the players. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the Leafs are okay. Who knows about Lilligren? I mean, what, what he, you know, out of coming out of camp, what he can do. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about that, but temper your expectations when it comes to a rookie defenseman, a guy who was out the vast majority of last year with Mono. Like, for me, he's a long-term, really nice piece and could become an absolute steal when it comes to this past year's draft, but I wouldn't look to him for this coming season. Like, that's why you bring in a stopgap veteran player. It's just a matter of whether Hainsey at 36 is the right guy. If you want a veteran defenseman, what, you know, 30 years of age, that's a veteran in this league. 31, 32, 36, you're on your way out the door. <laughs> I would tend to agree with you on that, Gareth. Thanks, you know? Bruce. Keep bringing up the lease. I love hearing about it, and you're the man. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, love brother. Bruce from Mimico. This should be a rule. Like, once you hit the age of 40, you can change your name to a solid, you know, veteran name like Bruce or Rick. Like, those are proper old man names. Do you want to do sound words right now? No? Do we got to go to break? Okay. Bob Herrig's going to check into the program next. The PGA Championship is coming up this week, but not for long. They're moving the tournament to May? How does this make sense? What does that mean for the golf calendar as we know it? ESPN senior golf writer Bob Herrick joins me next. We got sound words. We got WTF. And we'll bring you the poll results as well. A busy final 30 minutes and change right here on Toronto Today. to get into your car lease Canada's number one lease takeover marketplace lease busters avoid penalties and early termination go to leasebusters.com what's up toronto it's 1233 gareth wheeler with you canadian women first game at the rugby world cup going on right now canada's sports leader uh canada's in the league 19 what is it 19 nothing my eyes are turning on me they're crushing hong kong 19 nothing in the early stages. So a good start for our Canadian women at the Rugby World Cup in Ireland. Good stuff there. Uh, it's the PGA Championship this week uh, from Quail Hollow. These courses with, like, tranquil names. Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina um, is going down, but in the not-so-distant future, the schedule 
for the PGA Championship. And the PGA Tour, it's going to flip. It's going to change. Um, the tournament is moving to May. The PGA of America is moving its major championship to May for the first time in 70 years when it goes to Bethpage Black on New York's Long Island in 2019 as part of a long-term plan that involves a major shift in the golf calendar, including the Players' Championship going back to its March date. The Associated Press has learned Bob Herrig has been all over it, and we hope that ESPN's senior golf writer will join us in a few moments' time. Um, They're expected... They held, a, I guess, a press conference yesterday. The change has been in the works for four years, said one official. The catalyst behind the movement was golf's return to the Olympics, along with the PGA Tour's desire to wrap up its FedEx Cup before the NFL season begins. The move to May also puts the PGA Championship right in the middle of major championship season. After the Masters, before the U.S. Open, instead of being stuck at the end of August when typically courses are softer because of the summer heat and sports fans are starting to turn one eye towards football, at least that's the case with our friends south of the border. This will affect uh, Jack Nicholas's tournament, the Memorial. It will affect the Canadian Open. A ton of different tournaments on the golf schedule. And the golf season typically now starts in the fall and goes throughout the winter months and kind of wraps up with the FedEx Cup in the following late summer, early fall. I mean, it's a long calendar, and half the time you don't even know what tournaments are all about. They're not drawing the best players. There's so many players that are collecting massive paychecks for tournaments that you don't follow and that you've never heard of. I just wonder if the setup for the golf world is in good shape to continue to grow the sport. Like, no one's really engaged in the FedEx Cup. Let's, let's be honest. Hardcore golf fans, they'll jump on board. But casual fans, will you? I just don't think that's been the case. The point distribution is confusing. Nothing is straightforward. And the prizing is outrageous. So there is incentive, there is motivation to, to put together some sort of year-end tournament. I just wonder if they're onto the right recipe right now. Like a tournament or tournaments with mass surprises at the end of the year, is that the way to do it? Or could you have some kind of augmented match play? Pitting player versus player to decide who goes up on top, finishes up on top. Kind of like an NCAA tournament bracket. But maybe instead of mono a mono, one versus one, you start having groups of three and four players where players move on. Perhaps that would be more compelling. It needs to be shaken up, and I'm not sure if this move of the PGA Championship is just the first of other changes which may come to the PGA Tour. This Golf Insider is brought to you by your Ontario Subaru dealers. Test drive the superior performance of a Subaru today. It is Mr. Bob Herrig, ESPN senior golf writer, at Bob Herrig, on Twitter, joining me on the program. Really appreciate you taking some time, Bob. This move of the PGA Championship to the month of May, how significant is this? Well, Gareth, I think it's huge. I mean, for the first time really since since the four majors that we know of today were established as such, you know, since they became kind of what we understood to be the majors, 
they're going to change the order of them. Uh, they've there's been an occasion or two where where the British Open was played before the PGA, and in 1971 they actually played the PGA in February, but that was just a one-off occasion. This is a a change that is expected to you know be the new norm and. To have the PGA go second and the Open go last is, uh, you know, it's a big, big difference from what we're used to. I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I think there's a lot of good things about it, but it is, uh, you know, a lot different than what we're used to. No kidding. It also puts a major championship in four consecutive months: Masters in April, PGA in May, uh, the the I guess the U.S. Open in June, and the Open Championship in July. Does that make sense? For you, Bob, that they are going to be so condensed on what continues to be a lengthy and extended golf season. Well, in a way, though, it it it, it spaces them out better if you consider that the PGA, which is going on this week, obviously comes only three weeks after the Open. Uh, that is a really short turnaround. In fact, you know, basically. What are we talking? 17 days ago is when Jordan Spieth won the Open. And now we are here on the verge of another major. So now what you're going to have is the Masters, and then it'll be a good five weeks, six weeks maybe, before the PGA is played, and then another four weeks before the U.S. Open. So it actually spaces them out a little bit better because there's always a month between the U.S. Open and and the Open as well. So um, in that regard, I think it's it's better. It, it gives each of the majors a little bit more air. Now, of course, there's not that long stretch between the Masters and the U.S. Open, but we have the Players' Championship in there. Right. And uh, so I don't think that changes that dynamic all that much. Um, it you know it it, it 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 might for the U.S. Open. There's there might be less of a lead up to it. I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I still think there's enough time. Uh, the the maybe the downside is though is now it's that much longer from the last major in July. It'll be in July until the following April when the Masters is played. Yeah, Bob Herrick joining us here in Toronto today. I am Gareth Wheeler. That that's the thing that stands out for me because the golf season in earnest starts in the fall, and there's a bunch of tournaments where the average sports sports fan isn't all over. I mean, golf fans will always be following tournaments no matter what, Bob. But you leave that gap between tournaments of real significance for the average fan to kind of gravitate to. So it seems like it leaves a hole in the fall schedule. Now, I know that the NFL, college football, is a big deal south of the border, but how do you replace that? Like, is the FedEx Cup enough, or will they have to rethink about the way that that's rolled out to take advantage of that gap in the schedule? Well, the way they're going to do that is to move it up so that it actually finishes before uh, U.S. football around, uh, you know, our Labor Day time, which is <clears throat> the first weekend of September. And that was really the impetus behind a lot of this. Football is just a, you know, it is the elephant in the room. It, it's, a, it's a monstrosity that just cannot be competed with. And you have those FedEx playoff events with huge purses, all the best players competing for three or four weeks, uh, that big bonus money, $10 million bonus, and hardly anybody watching, you know. So they decided that they need to move that up. Now, as you noted, there's still going to be golf in the fall, and it's the kind of golf that really the hardcore fan follows. 
personally, I think they'd be better to take a break. Frankly, really? after, after Labor Day, take a month or so before you resume with the new season. Start, you know, give them, give them a month where there's no PGA Tour golf. You know, let, let them, let the fans miss it a little bit. Give the players a break. I don't think they're going to do that, at least not right away, because if they have sponsors willing to put up tournaments, they're going to play. Sure. But uh, I think in the, in the big picture, you know, the thing that plagues golf, I believe, is that you never really get away from it. Um, the NFL is so popular because people crave it. You know, from the time it ends, the Super Bowl ends, they can't wait for it to start again. And that, that, you know, that absence, you know, that absence makes the heart grow fonder phrase really comes into play. And I think it, I think you probably see it in hockey too. In the NHL, there's a lot of, you know, people are looking forward to training camp getting started and for the game starting again. Uh, but when, when, when there's no break, how, how do you ever like miss it? And I think that's what really hurts golf. Probably hurts tennis a little bit too. I'm, I'm totally uh, with you. Like I don't know about you, Bob, but like, just living in a more northern climate. I mean, we crave the Masters, right? Because it's not only a, a wonderful tournament. It's just you know, it's, but it's also the rites of passage into the spring season. Like that. That for us, in earnest, seems like when the golf season really begins. Sure. I mean, I think to the fans and to those who, um, you know, who follow the game as a sport absolutely the masters is sort of where it starts but for the players you know uh, that fedex cup season begins almost immediately after the last one ends and if you try to take a long time off you get behind well then what happens so then they start skipping tournaments in, in in the prime time of the season you know dustin johnson didn't play between the u.s open and the british open uh, these guys, a lot of these guys right now are playing, you know, eight of 11 weeks, nine of 12, nine of 11. It's a lot. And they want some time off when it's over with. And then the new season begins and, you know, the, the players get a little bit worn out. Um, I think from a coverage standpoint, I mean, obviously in my job, I'm still writing about golf almost year round. Well, how, how can I expect the, the, Oh, did we just lose Bob? Sounds like we just lost Bob. Yeah, like, and, and Bob's ingrained in the golf world. And oftentimes, you need to keep in mind the needs, the wants within your own sport, but acknowledge that's about expansions, about the masses as well and doing what's best. We just reconnected with Bob. Sorry, Bob, we just left off on saying you're writing about golf 365 all the time. Yeah, I mean, for the most, you know, when the, the PGA Tour season never really quits, other no. than around uh, the late November, December time frame, and you know, sometimes I, you know, admittedly, I'm sitting there wondering who's reading this, yeah. you know, uh, what, <laughs> what's the appetite for it, and it's because it's too long, you know. There, golf doesn't have, you know, in, in other sports and hockey and football, there's there's transactions, there's trades, there's things that go on in the yeah. off season to keep the interest. There's mini camps, there's the draft, you know, all these things that capture our attention for team sports. Well, in golf, um, there really isn't that. And if it's just a mundane tournament, none of the big names are playing, you know, it, it, it just it has less meaning to me. So, uh, it's a great it's, point. Uh, interesting dynamic, I think. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in favor of the move, and, and it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. It, it does come, what is it, a week after the memorial? 
um, which is obviously a big or a week. Uh, sorry, the, the PGA Championship will be played a week before the Memorial Jacks tournament, one of the marquee tournaments on the calendar. I wonder if golfers will end up playing more tournaments over the, that you know the four month span between major championships to hone their game, or will players like DJ take time off between majors because that will have a big influence on these tournaments as well. Yeah, there's no question. Now, it's my understanding it'll be played. There'll be a week in between the finish of the PGA and the Memorial. So a lot of guys like to play the Memorial and then take a week, and then they play the U.S. Open. So you can see them on an every-other-week schedule if they want it. Uh, Now, what will happen after the Masters? There's a little bit of a lull after the Masters, usually. Uh, Harbortown is popular but then some of the other tournaments like the Texas Open and New Orleans don't get as good a field. In the past, we've had Quail Hollow where they're playing the PGA this week, and then the Players' Championship. What, what's going to happen there will be interesting. It's very possible that the two Texas events, Byron Nelson and the Colonial, will get split, split up. How will they be impacted? You know, there's always a fallout from these things. These guys cannot play every week. There's way, way, way too many good tournaments. I mean, really, there's not very many bad tournaments. And so they have so many choices, and somebody suffers, which kind of, again, leads to my other point about, you know, maybe just you know, contracting a little bit uh, because you're, you're spreading yourself so thin. But the other side of that, of course, is the PJ Tour is about playing opportunities for its membership. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that is what they are in place to do. And so, you know, if you or I don't watch and if people aren't watching on TV, but if there's a sponsor willing to put up the money and enough people show up for the Pro-Am and they can pay out a purse to the players, they're going to do it. You know, and so um, that is the kind of the, the, the dichotomy, you know, that the balancing act they have there. And they're always going to lean towards giving their guys uh, opportunities to play if they if they can if they can put the uh, the person in place. Sure, uh, Bob. We just have a couple seconds left. Uh, who do you like this week at Quail Hollow? Well, I think the obvious choices are Rory and Jordan Spieth. You know, Rory's played very well here. Jordan, of course, is on a nice roll, having won uh, two of his last three starts, including the Open. Uh, but you know what? I kind of like Ricky Fowler. Nice. Um, you know, he's not won a major. He's expected to win a major, but he's won here. He's played well here in the past. Had a nice weekend at the Bridgestone. Maybe, uh, maybe it's his time to uh, to break through. Good stuff, Bob. Keep the content coming on those cold January nights. I'm one of the guys <laughs> that is reading your fine work at ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at Bob Herrick. Big fan of yours, Bob. Keep up the great work. Okay. Hey, when you're reading those golf stories in January, I'm following the Tampa Bay Lightning, so just so you know. Beautiful, beautiful, (laughs) good stuff, pal. Uh, Enjoy this weekend, okay? Thanks, Bob. Bob Herrig, ESPN senior golf writer, joining us right here on Toronto Today. And that Golf Insider is brought to you by your Ontario Subaru dealers. Test drive the superior performance of a Subaru today. Sound Wars WTF coming your way before the top of the clock. Wheels with you, TSN 1050. It's time for a TSN 1050 Sound War. Whoa, what a hit that was! This is the worst one for sure. The best sound bites go head-to-head, then you decide which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War. Brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new letter-up, Light Lager. 
It's soundbite seed number seven versus seed number 10. Soundbite number seven, South African soccer player Mohamed Anas slips up big time during a post-game interview. I always wish to win one of these and, and, and I got it. So thank you very much for, for, for this, for giving me this. And I appreciate my fans also. My wife and my girlfriend, I mean my wife, yeah, sorry to say, I'm so, I'm so sorry, my wife, Lizzo, I love you so much. Aya, I love you so much from my heart. <laughs> this one has to win. I don't even need to introduce the other sound bite. We'll go there anyway. How's that only a seven seed? Sound bite number 10, the Aaron Judge Show at Home Run Derby sounds even better in Spanish. even have a chance against the guy saying he has a girlfriend and a wife. No contest. Vote for the South African soccer player. Go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite soundbite. Seed number seven, which is obviously the better one, thanks to my wife and girlfriend. <laughs> or seed number ten, judges home run in Spanish. Voting for this Sound War closes at 3 p.m. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN Town 50. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Lager. Light Lager, sorry, at Select Loblaw Grocery Stores. It's time for this. What the? They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19 to 1. Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. W-P-F. Don't have much time. Let's fire through a couple. Right-hander Ernesto Friari was sold by the Texas Rangers to the Seattle Mariners on Tuesday for $1. If you're traded for $1 in this day of, like, gazillion-dollar contracts, what does that say to say about you as a player? I think it says retire. $1? What's the story behind that? I mentioned a Liam Gallagher interview with... GQ yesterday where he called like James Corden a knob, which he is. The carpool karaoke is the lamest thing going. He unintentionally referred to ASAP Rocky, Rocky, ASAP Rocky as WhatsApp Ricky. <laughs> I don't know why that strikes me being so funny. WhatsApp Ricky. Toronto stores have started to sell Halloween candy already. Come on. What? Gotta wait till at least the kids are back in school. Early August? And Vince Carter's documentary will premiere at the Toronto Film Festival. What's it called? Cry Baby, the movie? Get out of the way, Johnny Depp. Ugh, not seeing that one. I got a whole bunch of other ones, including a bear that stole, stole a car. That we'll save for tomorrow, but those were today's WTS. Wow, that's messed up. Very quickly, our poll question. What number represents the current state of the Blue Jays most accurately? Your say, 49%, negative 85, as in run differential, followed by the 53 and 59 record, followed by seven teams needed to pass to get into a wild card spot, followed by four games back of the wild card. Joe Narsa, really quickly, can you cheer for a player on a rival team? No, you cannot. That is what the poll is telling us. I believe. 
We had 63% say no, 37% say yes. Common sense, Joe. Wheeler wins, Narsa loses, but you all win for listening to today's program. Good stuff, Joey Narsa. Great stuff, Keith Bauer. I'm Wheels. We'll do this tomorrow. We call this little show Toronto Today.